0: You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Kevin Drew and Brendan Canning of Broken Social Scene. They're one of the most important bands of the 2000s and easily one of those bands who were essential to my college experience. Back in 2017, they returned after a long hiatus with a vital new album called Hug of Thunder. The energy from creating and touring that album has found its way into their beautiful new project Let's try the after, volumes one and two. I've been fortunate to work with the band a few times over the years, and it was a true pleasure getting to catch up with them and chat about the new EPs. And yes, I somehow forgot the title of You Forgot It In People during this talk, and uh, I don't know how I'll ever live that down, so when you get to that part, please do laugh at me. I am laughing at myself. Uh, Before we go into this uh, episode, I want to say rest in peace to a friend of the band, uh dean cameron uh, who sadly passed within the week of this talk i bring it up for context since we briefly mentioned it on the talk and yeah it's just always a sad thing when someone passes um i am de- more than sure you're going to enjoy this uh if you're a fan of the band you're absolutely going to enjoy this if you're not a fan of the band i don't know who they are you're definitely going to learn to love them from this um thank you for listening uh this is the 405 exchange with broken social scene enjoy
1: Gonna come with friends about you staying young. Let's get you out of here. Let's get
0: you out of here. There's no need to be. Let's get you out of here. So, what's really cool about getting to talk to you guys now is that New York is one of those places that has a lot of history for broken social scene and I can't help but wonder what it's like when you guys get the chance to come back here, not just to like do shows, but to just walk around and exist.
1: Well, it's always been a super supportive town to us. We've how many shows have we done this on this last three years? We've at least this uh, is our fifth, is it not?
2: Well, there was two that were kind of outside New York City. They we can. played in Long Island. Yeah. And then we played, where did we play? somewhere in New Jersey? Montclair, I think, the Wellmont. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's a then, super
1: supportive yeah. to us. It has been from the beginning, right down to the Mercury Lounge shows.
2: Mercury Lounge, you were playing at other music? Yeah, other we're music. We were playing store? at Hudson River Rocks Festival. With uh,
1: Pretty Girls Make Grace.
2: Yeah, that? I think. And tapes and tapes, were on that show too. Wow. Is it the closest city that
0: feels like a second home for you? I've noticed that with touring, you tend to kind of get that from a place uh, regardless of like not just because of the shows, but just the element of like being to interact with different people
2: or just Mm. walking about. Mm. Do you guys have cities like that for you? Mm. I mean, coming to New York, it's always a different story that you're entering into. I mean, there was the times we stayed in Park Slope with Chris Brown. And there were times. Chris we stayed, Brown, our yeah, friend. Chris, no, no. Chris Brown, for Brown, for Chris. not Chris Brown. Not Chris Brown. Chris Brown, a friend, uh, Andrew's old bandmate. Yeah. Good safe coming. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but then there were the times staying at the Roger Smith Hotel. There were times staying at uh, Gramercy Park Hotel. You know, this time we're staying at an Airbnb in uh, in Bedstuy. You know, we've stayed, uh, we've stayed, yeah, in Park Slope. So stayed, we've done the hoods. Yeah, we've done that Yeah.
1: We've been, you know, lucky that. People constantly kept coming out to our shows.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, since it's close to Toronto, it's like a second home. But there's a lot of towns like that. Chicago, I would say, it would be one of them.
2: You um, definitely have more peeps in New York than yeah. probably any other. New York and Los Angeles, I yeah. would
0: say. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the last time we saw each other was when you guys did the show at Broken Steel. Mm. And I know from some friends of mine, you guys also played a show outside of Central Park on a particularly hot day. Do you remember what that day was like? July yeah, 4th July last year. No, July 1st, Okay. That was brutal. Yeah, it was- uh, Poor
2: security guard getting taken off in a stretcher because the heat was just ridiculous. Really? It was we still so played though. Yeah, we, we did We play. did
1: that at the uh, Siren Fest as well. It was the hottest oh, day recorded yeah. in New York history. Oh, yeah. And we were down on Coney Island. There's something about us in the summer playing New York.
2: <laughs> I still remember And we're going to
1: play Prospect Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that will happen again. We're playing in Prospect Park this July. Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's not announced yet, but I'm sure by the time Yeah, this
0: yeah. talk should be coming up, like, I want to say three weeks from now. So yeah, so, so hopefully July, we come yeah. back 25th, July 25th, yeah. do a free show, and bring the heat. Nice one. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely be sure to be there, too. Thanks for really the little yeah, tidbit yeah, of that, guys. Really wow. So. So, you know, the last time we saw each other, we didn't really get to talk too much about the album you had released up until that time, which was Hug of Thunder. But, you know, it's hard for me not to imagine. What was it like for you guys to not just only release that album, but to know that there was an audience waiting for it? Like to have a bit of a gap of time and to release an album like that and to tour again. Like now that, you know, you're still touring now, but you're touring for different reasons. What was it like being (laughs) able to tour for that album? Some
1: of us were, I mean, self-doubt really feels the tank sometimes so we were a little concerned because we never really crossed over into the idea of having songs that were on the radio or a lot of our peers you know some some of them hit that uh, target and it's just such different times from when we started in the way the communication is and how people listen to music and everything it's completely different obviously from twenty years ago when Brendan and I got together so I think we were we were just cautious about if this was the right move, uh, but I think we always are. Are we not, Brandy?
2: Yeah, but
1: there's I a lot of taking, moving parts. So. Yeah,
2: but we had never taken, we had never like done the official. Okay, we're now off. To, you know, we're all exploring different avenues and creative things that maybe you know where you don't want your band members to get involved in, and you're just like yeah, I'm doing my thing, and then to come back to the mothership and try and. Push that out into the world again yeah it's coming at it from a different it's coming out it from a different angle for
0: yeah. sure yeah, i think what was really beautiful about that the way that album came out and getting to hear the songs live i'm a big fan of obviously live shows but i love the element where you get to hear these new songs coexisting with older songs and mm-hmm. i very much associate your band with my college years um art school like somebody giving me uh, one of your records and then like listening to it all the time and then I never had a chance to see you guys live up until that point, so getting to experience that album and then seeing that come to life and having these whole mesh of songs, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing to know that for you guys as artists, you can create art that's completely new, yet it still kind of has a resonance with your older work. Is that something you ever feel when you're playing live? Like when you're
1: on stage and you're... I I definitely do. I, I find this stuff ageless and it's still kind of... I'm kind of beside myself that we've continued to keep going but the enjoyment towards the old songs and the new songs are, are they coexist together very well. And, and uh, I think one of the things we're getting a lot now, and obviously we are, have been around for a while, is we're hearing a lot more about us in the past and what we were doing in the past. And and um, it's interesting how the past and present just play so well together when we do the shows.
0: Yeah and uh, obviously releasing um new work now i mean uh the two eps let's try the after um you know i'm sure you talked ad nauseum about like that break of time uh before you worked on hug of thunder but since you got to release that and tour that what was it like for you guys to then decide all right we're gonna actually make another body of work again in the form of these two eps well the body of work was there right b
2: yeah most I of mean, it was already recorded yeah the bulk or even yeah like Let's say, uh, like boyfriends, Kevin had written and recorded that song, and then in 2014, yeah, Yeah. and then brought it into the band, and we worked on it for Hug of Thunder, and then we didn't quite get the version, so we're like, okay, let's you know save it for you know something else, and then you know can't find my can't find my heart was another song that Kevin had kicking around, and well,
1: I actually created that with Jimmy Shaw and Charlie. I mean, we. I think we just looked at our catalog and knew that we wanted to go a little bit further with some shows, not quite bow out as we usually do for four or five years. And we thought let's release these recordings because one we were quite we, we were quite excited by them. And um, they turned them into two EPs, our label and our management. We we believe in albums, but uh, it was quite interesting because we've never really done that before and, and it, it was cool in the aspect of just trying to keep your name out there for more than an hour and a half. And uh, and I, I think that the band uh, was really into the idea of that music and we had Niles Spencer who produced and, and and mixed it and Joe Ciccarelli as well who worked on Hug of Thunder and there were so many nuances in those recordings. that. Really felt like home. Really felt like what we, what we were originally recognized for, and I think that kind of came through, for us and for those who you know are, are listeners to our music.
0: Well, it's really interesting you bring that up because that was something that leapt up to me right when I saw that um, these EPs were announced because i'd very much say broken social scene is a very like definitive album span and Mm -hmm. reading different interviews with you over the years i could tell that you very much feel that way as well from like a personal standpoint Mm -hmm. so what i want to throw to you kevin is like when this decision came about to kind of split them into two halves were you finding yourself surprised about the way that it fit because as a fan and like as a music lover when i listen to the eps they do feel like two halves but also like soul I, they like they both have their individual identities, and I wonder if you found yourself kind of surprised by that. Um,
1: I, I, you know, I'm in it, I'm inside it, so I was a little worried that it was too Kev-heavy vocally uh, on the second EP, but I think that the saving grace for Brendan and, and Charles and myself, who very much are album lovers, was that it was gonna be vinyl, and we put it out as side yeah. A, side B for Record Store Day. Um, I sort of followed I tried to just say yes to those who were working with us. We have a massive team who was trying to keep us afloat and you off obviously need to be a team player when there's so many people involved. B, what what did you think?
2: Uh, I think it's just nice to switch it up, you know. It's like, "Oh, here's an EP." And it's just kind of I mean, it's not like, I felt, yeah, no pressure. Yeah. It just seemed very Yeah. There it, never there was never like a big question mark about it. It was just yeah. Are, I think
1: it falls into the artistically, whatever. Sure, and even <laughs> if you're growing, oh, if you're
2: like buying EPs or whatever, like early '90s or late '80s UK stuff, whether it's My Bloody Valentine or Ride or any of those bands, they all they all released EPs. You know that was sort of sort of the way, like labels like Creation Records or whatever kind of came out. It gives you a sense singles, of singles, singles, and EPs. Yeah. yeah.
1: It gives you a sense of you really don't have anything to lose Uh, I don't think it's a safety blanket I just think it's you need freedom in your work you need freedom in, especially in this critical world and everyone's obviously now has a megaphone inside their lungs so it's nice to put something out there that because I I personally know with Hug of Thunder I was nervous of how it was going to be received because I just was it just is the nature of who I am, but I didn't quite care with these, I really, we all really love them, we all got behind them, and playing the songs live is wonderful, and, it, and it's keeping us together on stage, and it's brought us here, it's sure. brought us to these as, three nights.
2: As Andrew Whiteman says, we're beyond reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I would well, agree to. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of just true. like, what, <laughs> do you want, what do you want from us? <laughs> like, reviews
1: don't make or break us anymore, because it's, we just have our world, and that's where it is, and yeah. people who know and want to be there. And I hope that more elders pass our records down to the younger generation. Especially since there's something so intriguing about the younger generation. I definitely am, am on board with, you know, gender identity and their fight for the climate. I just want to sit and listen. I, I feel very educated by the uh, the younger generation these days. So. I hope our music can connect with them and get to them. and We can just keep going. I went and saw Dinosaur Jr. recently, and I was lucky enough to go up and sing with them, and I looked out into the audience, and there's so many young people. Yeah. It just warmed warm my heart.
0: Yeah, and just like what I brought up to you, I mean, the way it was for me, um, there was, a, not even my professor, but a friend of that professor was sitting in on one of our classes, and he was telling us about like this radio station, Waxi. and he was talking about like all these different like uh, indie bands. And he recommended records, and uh, your band's record was one of them. And I just remember at the time, like, just just absorbing music so much. I was like seventeen, mm-hmm. and I mean. I was quite far removed from obviously like when that record was released. I'm trying to remember which one it was. I you think forgot it? Oh, No.
1: Yeah. You forgotten people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's really beautiful about that is just like there was that connection there. And I mean, how does that make you feel to know that still happens? Because I imagine that story isn't so unique to me. It is my story, but I imagine there's loads of people also have that story.
1: I mean, it still happens for him. He still goes to record stores yeah. and buys albums and thinks, <laughs>
2: yeah. where was
0: I? How did I miss this? We part? talked about that last
2: time. Yeah. I mean, you know. Connections, like, connection I listened to Gene Ammons today. I played it for David French just on my phone. He's like, what is this? And I'm like, it's Gene Ammons. He's like, Oh It's warm. And, you know, it's just like saxophone player from 50s, 60s. and You know what excites David French? You hear Me hearing it for the first time, it's like, oh, look, you know. Look at the unusual horn arrangement and how he ends on that note, and then it seems like fresh and exciting. But it was recorded many years ago, but it still like invigorates me as uh, as a music fan. You know, just as like you're picking up on music. If you're a music fan, you're a music fan, and yeah, you devour it a little more, especially in your teen years, and it seems like so fucking important. What's your identity? Yeah, you're finding
1: yourself in your identity, and you're finding others as
2: well through that process. Yeah, your tribe is, you know, ultimately like the people that it's like yeah, you Who know, understand like, yeah, what you're listening to. Yeah. Uh, music, film
0: i want to jump in to talk about this new music that you've created um i found uh we're going to jump into talking about uh volume one real quick i found the sonic palette of that really interesting because you know again i brought up like how you're able to make new music that still feels like it could sit next to like your old music mm-hmm. and that was definitely the idea that i got here of what you were doing sonically it's diverse yet it still is very much music that could fill a room music that's familiar yet different uh boyfriends that you brought up brendan earlier to me that's a prime example of like almost a classic Broken Social Scene song, but one that's still really fucking weird. Uh, (laughs) What was it like to work on this one? It's great, I
1: mean, he mentioned it. I, I wrote it acoustically and I did a version early on and these guys were so sweet to want to do it and then it just completely changed and turned into something of a group effort and Niles Spencer, our wonderful producer, really, took the task to it but it was actually Joe Ciccarelli who adored the song and and really wanted us to work on it and we never quite nailed it and and I don't think we ever did for him (laughs) he really wanted it he wanted it to be verse course and I saw what he wanted out of it it was just a little difficult to get there and I think in the end all Joe wanted uh, for us was to get be just to get bigger than we and to find more people. And he wanted these songs to attract, and he wanted to push us as far as we could to go there. And we didn't land on that with Boyfriends, but then we came back and sort of sonically looked at what we were doing, and Niles changed it up, and everyone sort of put little signature moments on it. And because there's so many of us, it just sort of becomes this sonic palette of what social scene is. Yeah,
0: and it doesn't feel bloated. That's the thing that strikes me every time I listen to that song. It feels like a song that's perpetually building upon itself, but it doesn't feel that
2: it's buckling under the weight. Well, I think maybe we're just trying to be a slightly more economical phase <laughs> as far as like, okay, that part's good there. Let that stand, let it be. Make each moment be as strong as it can be. And even like the live shows, like the ones we did in Toronto, played two nights and the second night, all of a sudden, like the show lifts up even higher than the night before and people are saying after the show, it's like, man, I've seen you guys so many times, but I've never heard you sound so fresh and all the, you know, it's like you were saying, sort of the older material with the newer material, it's, it's, it just sort of recontextualizes where the band is at and hopefully that is something to build on from 2019, from this moment
0: going forward I definitely agree with that yeah. and jumping on volume two um, I really wanted to ask you guys about the title track. Uh, the way it's being sung is almost near spoken word which I mean it kind of caught me off guard when I heard it the first time but it does fit very well with the music and the way it's being sung it kind of has a vibe of a bit of a stream of consciousness to it mm. um, where would you say this song came from in terms of how you wrote it like what inspired the way you approached the writing of it
1: Um, I just wanted to sing a song to a friend of mine that was dying and uh, We were in his basically his house his studio recording and it was uh, Constantly something that was beautiful, but also very difficult and I Just wanted to get that out of the way to have the session happen and and, um, It was a stream of consciousness. It was a non-written sort of two chord um, explosion of sound that we just and I just sort of sung a song to someone that I love who I knew was leaving um, and uh, that's really it.
0: Oh, was that front of Gord? Yes,
1: yeah. front oh. for Gord. So um, that was just the way that that felt yeah. and it, it kind of never went on hug of thunder because it just, what there, it just didn't fit and it was really personal and Sometimes it's to defend your personal notions in this world, which you have to do now all the time, vulnerability is just a thing of uh, dismissal attack. But it's it's fine. It, it was it was fitting for this and to title the record, the EP's after it, the band was into it and you know, we all lose people, we're all in grief, we're all we all have close ones to us who've lost even closer ones. And even today we got news of someone that was very very key to our career and very uh partial to the early days who died this morning. And uh sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that too, because these are sometimes it's expected and that's difficult, and sometimes it's out of nowhere, and that's just that's difficult as well, and there's a a realm around a misunderstanding towards it that I think I just wanted to embrace for myself and uh, not doing solo stuff. These guys are, they're very sweet to me in the aspect that they know. I sometimes have personal things. I try to keep, I try to lyrically always include, <laughs> I can't believe you just took a bite <laughs> it's
2: the of your mouth. That was, see,
1: Brendan and I don't do interviews together because we, <laughs> ju- we just don't.
2: Oh, he so has his yeah, my mouth starts getting dry when you talk about
1: grief Brendan needs to have an apple but no I think it's just uh, I want to be on the side of the fence that that helps others understand that it's you know' it's, it's very real and uh, and it's something that
0: needs to be spoken about a lot more. I would agree with that. Um, you know, within that vein, I actually did kind of want to ask you something about Gordon. OK. Is that OK? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, because um, a couple months ago, I was actually with um, Your Good Friend Stars, and I was uh, spending a lot of time with Torquo, um, Yeah. the man who talks a mile a minute and is a hilarious <laughs> human being. Yeah. But uh, we did talk a lot about um, you and Metric, about your friendships and your how you guys are obviously contemporaries and like how we feel about you musically and as people. And Tork talked a lot about the relationship you were having with Gord and the working relationship and the friendship. And, you know, it's one thing for me as a music fan to read about it, but to hear someone who's, you know, obviously a friend of yours talk about it, I mean, he had a lot of respect and admiration. It was a lot in the vibe of, like, him wishing he could meet someone someday that he felt that he connected to. I mean, obviously, as Amy, but, like, he just talked about it in a different level in regards to you and Gord. And, um, you know, you did work with Gord Downey on his last solo album, Introduce Yourself. And mm-hmm. I know it could be quite a hard thing to talk about, but i love to hear you go what it was like to work with someone like Gord. Like, what did you take away from it?
1: You know, it, Gord's, the thing with Gord is that he's sort of everybody's. And everyone who, he's got a lot of people around him who hold him close. And I've noticed that also the country itself, Canada, and Brendan can, can vouch for this he's kind of everyone's and it's difficult to talk about him publicly I've sort of learned this through through getting asked these questions and I just think that uh, we're all we're all lucky to have had him and, and we have all collectively learned from him and obviously I had my moments with him and I am so grateful for the time Brendan and him were quite close at times out on tour he loved Brendan so much and I just think I think what you think what what if you look into his work and I'd say this to answer the question listen to his work and you'll see the question's answered right there cuz it's all there he never held back he always put it all out there he used to say you know use it all up he has a song too it's just like put it all on the page don't save anything don't save anything and that's the kind of work that he's done and the kind well, of He
2: was the first Real legendary frontman in Canada. Like when you really boil it down to all the bands and everyone who's ever been in a band, but there was one. There was never like a creature like him who would just get on the stage and just transform. And I think that's uh, that's an exciting thing. Whether you love the music every single note or whatever, it's just a, an exciting thing and a really a lucky thing to be sort of in and around being uniquely Canadian because it's such a Canadian experience, even though you know, they had their fans elsewhere, but truly, there's something very Canadian about it and to try and make someone understand that is also if you didn't grow up with it and drop apples uh, <laughs> road apples. yeah, road apples there you go. Uh, tragically but yeah, if you didn't grow yeah, it's it's, it's hard to really like. Zero in on. It's it's a
1: loss. It really is. And the more time goes by, it's just a loss for everybody. It's a massive loss.
0: But I think what's beautiful about the way you just put that, Brennan, and of course you as well, Kevin, is that I think to contextualize what you're talking about, you know, people talk about representation and the aspect of seeing someone achieve something and feeling like you could do it. And I feel like there is a unique sense of that depending on where you're from. And in terms of, you know, being from Canada and the tragically hit being such a hallmark of Canada and like you guys being from there and what you've achieved. I mean, I think a lot of what Broken Social Scene has done is partially for being able to see that it's possible. Because I mean, I've only ever been a fan of Gord's music, I never had the chance to meet him, unfortunately. But I, t- from hearing how you talked about him and his music, it makes me feel happy because I feel like that's what I've always gotten from it knowing that, like, wow, this is someone who's putting their entirety of themselves in their work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that well, that's wonderful there you go. that's what I mean. it's the questions are answered in his work and people can feel very close to him in his work and they should and I and I encourage people and there's more to come. there's much more to come and well there's more to come and uh, I just encourage everyone to just dive into his work. He can be as close to you as he was to us. It's in his work.
0: that's beautiful. Brendan, what's really cool about having you here is uh, I actually was hoping I was going to get one of the other band members here to ask a question like this, but uh, you know, since you have someone like Kevin in your band who has worked extensively as a producer, and I've heard from experiences uh, from uh, Josh and Metric, he was talking to me about what's like being in the studio with Jimmy. Uh, what's it like having Kevin in the studio with that producer's ear when you're making an album? Like, does that come into play at all? Or?
2: My bad yeah.
1: moods seem to inspire him.
2: <coughs> yeah, you know, like, like definitely the writing of Hug of Thunder, the title track, wouldn't have happened if Kevin didn't flash me like an evil glare. <laughs> 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 and it was like, basically, in that moment, it was like, either you come up with, you know, a winning riff immediately, on the spot, brand new, lead the band into something that, is completely different from what you were doing three minutes ago. That's kind of what it really for me. That's what it boils down to. And I
1: can say attest to that moment was a moment was there were many with him that way. Where,
2: <laughs> no, but there were not 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 for
1: me. I meant where he with his bass, yeah. where we would be lost. You know, one of the one of there's two songs that I could reference from Hug a Thunder. Halfway home was just missing something, and Canning just got up. He just got fed up. It's like all right, just Get, get me the muff pedal sat down with his bass save the song That's same amazing. thing with uh, Andrew and Ariel's tune uh, stay happy He just came in and so you know from a producer everyone's a producer in this band but from a you know an observation
2: point of view yeah everyone comes in with you know an ample supply of like this song should yeah. be like this yeah just please Air, let me yeah. lead this charge
1: yeah and less less was massive on on a hug that that
2: yeah well she came up you know she wrote the vocal instantly landed that arranged it and you know
1: i just sat back and and listened in the studio and watched but yeah andrew charlie justin sammy you know evan and jimmy doing the horns for so many years we got dave french and his wife julia coming in amy throughout the years just everyone brings such a huge Part to it. And that's the thing about social media. It's not one person. And of course we're the co-founders and we lots of the times do the interviews or all get singled out because I'm the leader or the lead singer or the most annoying guy, whatever it <laughs> is. But it's, you really do you, you, you get up and you go to bed together. You rise you know, you raise each other up and you tear each other down. So basically you just try to constantly raise each other up. And we're here at this time where your country's even more confusing than when we came back. It's pretty mud. It, it's pretty difficult right now, and, and usually there's we love to come and do the celebrations, but they just don't seem to be working, and the protests don't seem to be working, and it just doesn't seem to be working. So these shows tonight, with everything that's go- coming down this week with Alabama and all that, it's, it's difficult to enter into a room with a bunch of people when all you can really try to do is say, for this next hour and a half, can we just try to, not be in denial, but take this moment together and put it in our back pocket. And that's something G.D. would say a lot, in Court, um, And even that feels a little cheap to the fight that's becoming before you.
2: No, but there are certain, you have to understand, just as like a citizen of the world, there are certain things that are just not within your power. No, exactly. And, and if you can go out and enjoy yourself and maybe know flip the script for yourself and then wake up the next day and say okay what can, you know, what can I do because that's you know that's ultimately the goal of music is supposed to like invigorate you challenge you make you feel something make you want to do something I mean if you're that type of person who gets that out of music so if it's gonna if you know like, like when we talk with a guy who like Damien and Hamer or Damon Hamer, this guy in St. Louis, like told stories about hopping out of a plane because he was in the 82nd Airborne and putting off feel-good loss at 2 in the morning because they'd wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and like hop out of a plane and then eight years later you see an email like he's running for office in Missouri somewhere. Like, well, we should what, call him. Yeah, that's <laughs> what that. Yeah, that's what that music. We did should call him for uh, Damien. See, see what's
1: going on in Missouri because it seems like there seems to be a little bit of a
0: clusterfuck. Going oh on my there. God!
1: I wish you guys nothing but. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Actually, I don't have anything to say. It's um, pretty
0: stark. I mean, New yeah. York. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar. It very much feels like isolated in regards to the outside of America. Oh yeah. Well, but, Canada's going through shit.
1: Canada. We we are on the cusp of
2: we are the same. We're yeah, the same we're
1: bill. we're you know our next prime minister is just gonna be. Well, if our
2: next prime minister, he would top on that fucking bill in a second. Yeah, he would try we're, and. We're we're
1: like, in trouble. Yeah. We're in absolute trouble. Yeah, yeah, I got
2: a good gauge
0: of how things are going on. Uh, that was back in January. I was talking to Torquil, so yeah, like. Oh well, Torquil definitely. <laughs> 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 he'll
1: give you the, the the non. <laughs> like I can't even I can't even imagine what he said.
0: Um, we're at the end of this talk. Uh, before I get to my last question, I just kind of want to bring up a story that I think will make you guys feel somewhat happy. Okay. I'm sure it will make you feel happy. But um, in what you were describing and how you approach songwriting and with the producer's ear, um, there's a band from Ireland that I know pretty well called De La Rentos. Really lovely guys. And one of the things that they get. Um, that people point out about their music is that it very much feels like any member could pick up any instrument mm. where it doesn't feel like there's any defined rules as singer here bass player here guitarist mm-hmm. here drummer here and i remember asking neil their basis about it and mm-hmm. i was like yeah where do you feel like you learned to do that and he was like broken social suit <laughs> and he said it like such like a no-brainer it's like well yeah if you listen to a band like that and you make music you would just he t- treated it as a way where like it was just, it made so much sense to feel like you could do anything in a band if you listen to that band. So oh, that that's amazing. what I want to leave you with.
1: Thank you. That's amazing. And you know, yeah, that's what it's about. Don't, straight
2: from the motherland. Yeah, straight yeah. from
1: the motherland. Don't get in the way of yourself. You know, that's, you're going to be your worst ob- obstacle. So,
0: so play
1: just play until you can't
0: stop playing and make sure you know how to play with others absolutely so you know lastly you're here in New York to play at Webster Hall tonight the first of a three night run I'll yeah. be here for tomorrow's show I really can't wait perfect way to spend a Friday night um, I ask this more in regards to myself because I am genuinely curious but you know you guys have been touring for a while now, uh, from Hubba Thunder up to now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you love making art together. But I would love to hear it from your mouths. Like, what do you think it is about making art with this group of people that you have that you love so much? Because clearly, you love it. I mean, when I was on stage, you guys at and Steel and taking photos, it was just like seeing that joy getting exhumed from you while you're on stage. It's a really infectious thing. And yeah, I mean, is that, is that joy something you feel aware of? Yeah, we we got our
1: joy shoes on. I, we're drinking sure joy did. juice. Yeah, standing in joy puddles, looking at joy teeth. I did kind of I make think, that seem much more heavier than. I
2: think I, I think did. this is uh I think right now it's a slightly better version of where we were at at Brooklyn Steel as well. I feel like. Except I didn't sleep. Except kept in but I, I, mean, I, know, I, I, I highly doubt we when slept do we that well before that Brooklyn Steel show. <laughs> um,
1: no, it's lovely. And, and uh, I think just the age thing makes it lovely too. You're just so happy that we're all here. Really. Think about that. We're here. We're alive. We're together. Still people want to come and see us. We've done so much. We've achieved so much. We could have achieved more. We could have achieved way less. We're here. And uh, it's not easy, it's just not easy. And so we're grateful and I think when we're on stage and I think even when someone has a bad show, it's not really a bad show, it just means you couldn't quite hit the note or you couldn't quite get the rhythm or your pedals were. It's just, we're together and the people make it happen for us. It's the people that, that give us joy. I mean, tonight we're just kind of a great time because hey, that's what people want. That's why they're here. And so. people need it. They do need it, I mean, they do. I certainly need it, so we're gonna give it to them. No yeah. sleep. Yeah, if you're sleep, buying a ticket,
2: no if you're spending your hard earned dollars on entertainment, like at least get entertained. Exactly. We gotta
1: go,
0: we gotta go sound yeah. check. Well exactly. Well, I've Kevin Brendan, thanks so
2: much. Yeah, I hey. appreciate Thanks it. again. Thank and you. And to
1: tomorrow friends. you staying young? Let's get you yeah. out of here.